to date. Uh, this has been a suggestion to Virginians. Today, it's an order. That's Governor Ralph Northam, shortly after issuing Executive Order 55, which further tightens movement in Virginia in order to slow the spread of COVID-19. It's the morning of March 31st, and at his press conference yesterday, Northam really had one message for the people of the Commonwealth. Stay at home. Stay home. Stay home. Stay at home. Stay home. Stay home and stay at home. Today's installment breaks down yesterday's press briefing and features an extended segment of questions asked by reporters from across Virginia. We'll also drop in on the town of Scottsville to see what they're up to. We've survived multiple floods throughout our history because our community has pulled together. I'm Sean Tubbs, and thanks for listening to what you're about to hear. It's the morning of March 31st as I record this. Yesterday, the number of COVID-19 cases rose to over 1,000, and the number of hospitalizations rose to 136. There are 25 deaths as recorded yesterday. Numbers released by the Thomas Jefferson Health District yesterday revealed that there are 54 cases in our area, with 24 in Albemarle and 13 in Charlottesville. In a world where there are so many reported numbers, the health district is now also tracking clinically diagnosed cases, which are ones where there are symptoms but the person may not yet qualify for a test. We'll hear more about testing later from Lori Furlano, Virginia's Deputy Commissioner of Health. But for now, yesterday was the day that Governor Ralph Northam issued Executive Order 55, which builds on 51 and 53. Since the state of emergency was declared on March 12th, the state government has been signaling to people the importance of social distancing to slow the spread of COVID-19. Already, there are medical workers in Virginia who have been exposed. Our doctors, nurses, and other medical professionals are putting their lives and health at risk every day, working to help people who are sick with this virus. I am so very grateful to all of you. As the number of cases increases, so does the need for medical personnel. More than 1,600 people have applied through the Virginia Medical Reserve Corps. That's just since March 25th, when the governor put the call out for people to apply. The info to sign up is in the show notes. But first, this new executive order represents another shift towards a lockdown that seeks to save lives. We are at the beginning of a period of sacrifice. This is an unprecedented and difficult time, and it will be hard for people. I understand that. But I have faith in you as Virginians. We need everyone to take this seriously and act responsibly, and we will get through this together. Any gathering of more than 10 people is prohibited. Private campgrounds will be closed for short-term stays. Public beaches are closed to group activity, though you can still run or fish there. All private colleges and universities are to cease in-person instruction. Northam said he moved forward with Executive Order 55 after seeing images of crowded beaches over the weekend. Everyone who is gathering in a crowd at any place around the state is putting themselves and others at risk. So today, I'm announcing a stay-at-home order for all Virginians. Under this order, everyone in Virginia must remain in their place of residence unless they must go out for food, supplies, work, 
medical care or to get fresh air or exercise. People who have traveled to outbreak hotspots are urged to self-isolate for the next 14 days. Shopping should be done as little as possible. Don't go to the store just for one thing. Wait until you have a whole list of needs. Northam said the additional step of implementing Executive Order 55 is being done to protect public health. In a minute, we're going to hear about modeling data. As we get more data, the response shifts. You can do your part by following protocol and stay home. What we're seeing now is the result of how people interacted two or three weeks ago. What we will see a few weeks from now will be determined by how people behave today and in the following days. We need everyone to be patient with social distancing. It will take time to show results. That's why it is so critical that we all do our part and stay at home. Right now, Virginia has over 18,000 licensed hospital beds, about 2,000 of which are intensive care unit beds. More beds are going to be required. On March 25th, the Army Corps of Engineers began looking for potential sites for temporary hospitals. Northam said he will get those recommendations in the next few days. Hospitals are also looking to expand their capacity, and we got three examples at yesterday's press conference. Mary Washington Healthcare in Fredericksburg has established a field hospital on its campus. VCU has identified a student dormitory on campus that was originally built as a hospital, and they'll use that to treat COVID-19 patients who need to be in the hospital but don't need to be in the ICU. In southwest Virginia, Ballard Health System has designated Lonesome Pine Hospital in Wise County as a COVID-19 treatment and quarantine facility for acute care patients. I am very interested, and I think a lot of us are, to know what the plans are for the University of Virginia. State officials are tracking several models that predict when the apex of the COVID-19 wave will hit. There are a lot of models out there. The one thing the models all have in common, however, is that Virginia will face a surge in cases that require hospitalization. Our efforts have been focused on running ahead of that surge, trying to make sure that our hospitals are ready. Lori Forlano is the Deputy Commissioner of Population Health at the Virginia Department of Health. We've assembled a, a team of people uh, within our unified command to look, a lot of brains, uh, looking at the projections at the numbers, and we anticipate uh, now we have enough data to put into those models here, Virginia-specific data, so that will help us. Um, I don't have specifics today, but hopefully by the end of the week we'll have information. Dan Carey is Virginia's Secretary of Health. Models are great to help you plan, but models also have a fair amount of uncertainty. So as Dr. Falano mentioned, we're focusing now, we don't want to have the numbers we have in Virginia, but we do, and we can help use that real data to, to, to land on a model that we feel comfortable uh, predicting and planning on. So that's where we are. Now, some other news. The federal government will reimburse Virginia when the National Guard is deployed. Virginia is applying for federal major disaster status, and that will allow for more services to be provided, including additional unemployment insurance. We have also received USDA approval for our statewide household disaster feeding program. This means our entire Virginia Food Bank network can offer emergency food assistance to anyone in need of food, 
not just those who meet income guidelines. This is an important change because it means our food banks can serve approximately 200,000 Virginians who need help. Our food distribution sites have seen a 20 to 50 percent increase in visits during this outbreak. Now, if you're one of the people who were suddenly out of work or are working from home and have time, one thing that you can carefully consider is your availability to volunteer for food banks. A few days ago, we heard from Michael McKee at the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank. Let's hear a clip from him again. What's important to understand is that the pantries are staffed almost entirely by volunteers, most of them in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. And so the pandemic represents a perfect storm. The very people that our charitable food assistance system relies on are being told to stay home because they're at higher risk for the most severe consequences of COVID-19. Now, the exact safety protocols for such things are not yet worked out, and if you don't feel safe, don't volunteer. But the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank yesterday issued a press release that said many people have stepped up. Now, I don't have a soundbite here, but I'm reading directly from that press release. During this period, the food bank will provide an exemption letter for staff and volunteers traveling on business for the food bank. This includes travel to and from our warehouse locations in Verona, Winchester, Charlottesville, and Lynchburg, and numerous mobile distributions. Now let's get back to the press conference. During the question and answer period, one reporter asked what protections are in place for workers who still have to work because their business is considered essential. There was an answer, but there are still federal issues to resolve. I'm Megan Healy, Chief Workforce Development Advisor. So the question is around workplace safety. So the federal government, uh, specifically the OSHA office, Office of Safety and Health Administration, has sent standards. So we're waiting for standards to come down to the state. And then our Department of Labor and Industry are going to accept those standards. And then when we have those standards in place around COVID-19, that's when we can actually take a little bit more action. And so, again, we're going back to if you have a problem uh, in your work, to make sure you address it with your manager. Or there's a lot of um, offices have safety officers that have to be OSHA compliant. And then if not, then you want to go through our regional offices and then you can make a complaint. And we're taking every complaint very, very seriously in following up uh, with the businesses. The Northam administration also took questions from reporters across Virginia. I really appreciate that they're doing this because reporters are crucial in a democracy because they're the ones who usually get to ask the questions. What you're about to hear is an edited version of the exchange, but I've tried to identify who asked what. There are so many questions right now, and even if there aren't always answers, it's worth hearing the responses. The first question is from Mallory Nopin. Mallory? Hi. How does this impact travel between two private residences? I would just go back to what we've been saying all along, that uh, if your travel to anywhere is essential, then it's allowed. If, it, if it's not essential, then uh, one na- needs to stay at home. Um, Dave McGee? Yeah, I want to I want to move forward just a little bit, Governor. In just over a month, localities across Virginia are going to be having elections, and I know there's been an emphasis on absentee voting. But I wonder if there's been any consideration for imposing any other uh, guidelines on voters or possibly postponing those elections. We are uh, having active discussions with our board of elections and, and also our uh, secretary of administration, uh, Kiana Connor. Uh, is Kiana? She's not here, I don't believe, today. But, uh, but anyway, we, we realize that the elections are, uh, will be upon us in, in May, and 
uh, we will have some, some further guidelines, I would say, in the, in the next few days. The next question is from Max Thornberry with the Northern Virginia Daily. Hi, Governor. I've got a, a question about testing. Is the state at a place where it can test anyone that it needs to? And if we're not there yet, what is the holdup? That's a good question. I'm going to let Dr. Tony start with that, and if we need anybody else, we will. But Dr. Tony, what the the holdup is with um, respect to being able to expand is a couplefold. One, um, we are still um, experiencing supply supply chain shortages throughout the nation, not only in Virginia, and this is not only impacting the ability of the state laboratory to provide and to increase its laboratory testing capabilities, but it is impacting hospital laboratories and private commercial laboratories and preventing them from being able to fully expand because of the difficulty in getting the needed kits, supplies, and other consumables necessary to be able to provide widespread testing. Roger Watson with the Farm Bill Hill. Do you ever foresee in the future treating different areas, different regions differently with uh, stipulations and rules? The rate of infection seems to be different in metro areas, obviously, where there's more people than in rural areas such as Lunenburg and Charlotte County, where we have no infections. In the future, if that model stays, do you see uh, areas being treated differently when it comes to stay at home and different rules and regulations? The reality here is that uh, this virus does, uh, does not recognize county lines, state lines. Uh, it is a very contagious uh, pathogen, and uh, the guidelines that we are uh, putting in place today and that we have had in place will continue for, for all of Virginia. Bill Atkinson with the Progress Index. One of the questions we're hearing from a lot of people in our area is the possibility of partial or total refunds to the students and their families from some of the fees, not maybe not so much the tuition, but maybe some of the related student fees, such as housing. Uh, I know that's basically done on a college-by-college -college basis, but is there anything that the state could do to possibly help push that process along? That is a... Uh, a college level or a, a, it's, it applies to each uh, college individually and, and those are the individuals that are making that policy. I will tell you that, um, you know, we're looking at the uh, federal response, the uh, amount of resources that are coming into Virginia. We're still working through that and what that means to our healthcare industry, small businesses, et cetera. And uh, if it gets to a point um, where we uh, have that dialogue with our colleges and universities and the, the funding is there, then we can certainly address that. But to date, I haven't addressed that on a state level. Greg Hamburg with Inside Nova. Does the stay-at-home order impact golf courses in any way? Are they still allowed to stay open under the, the new rules? The question is, what about golf courses? And I think it's fairly straightforward. Uh, one can go to the golf course and, and play golf, but the clubhouses are, are closed. And again, we will uh, enforce the, uh, if there are more than 11 individuals that are gathered in, in one place, then certainly we will enforce that. But people can still go to the golf course and, and play golf. Uh, Sherry Hamilton with the Gazette Journal. Thank you. Um, Governor, some localities have had to postpone the budget process because of the health emergency and they feel a sense of urgency as they try to determine how to comply with FOIA guidelines for public participation in meetings and also follow social distancing guidelines to keep residents safe. 
And um, this is really difficult for rural localities that don't have adequate broadband access, and they're making these efforts to scrabble together ways to hold their pu public budget hearings. Uh, do you have any guidelines for them? Attorney General, uh, Attorney General Herring has been very helpful in, in uh, helping with those guidelines, and I would address any questions to, to the Office of the Attorney General. Great, and the last question is from Tracy Agnew with the Suffolk News Herald. Thank you, Governor. Um, I think a lot of Virginians are looking for some encouraging news. So my question is when and how Virginia Department of Health will start reporting the number of patients who have recovered statewide and what criteria a patient will have to meet before being deemed recovered. Laurie Ferlano, Virginia Department of Health. The question's about whether we track uh, case patients to the point of recovery. And I think there was a second question about when they are released from uh, what I describe as release from isolation. So the first part of the question about tracking cases to recovery, I'd say that varies a little bit on uh, the capacity of the local health department. The case volumes that we're seeing um, wouldn't make that possible in all situations, but we do try to do that to the greatest extent possible. Regarding uh, release from isolation, there are pretty specific guidelines from CDC, both for home-based isolation and for hospital-based isolation, and there are uh, testing pathways for release and non-testing pathways for release, and those are um, pretty specific and online. I believe for home isolation, it's seven days uh, asymptomatic and 72 hours fever-free, and there are also some specifics around um, testing which are available online. Phew, that was a lot of information, as can be expected when we're suddenly dealing with a game-changing event that causes us to look around us and perhaps see the world anew, or just see what was always there all along. Now, I live in Virginia, and in normal times, I mostly stick around the downtown area, that's where I live and where I've spent most of my adult life. But I hope on this podcast to feature more about what other communities in our area are doing. So I present here the audio of what a video the town of Scottsville has made. You really should look at it. And the link is in the show notes. I apologize. I'm not able to identify all of the voices here. So you really should just take a look. For now, let's just listen. On Friday, March 13th, the town council of Scottsville declared a local emergency due to coronavirus and concerns about public health. What does this mean for you and our town? Scottsville's a resilient town. We've survived multiple floods throughout our history because our community has pulled together. We can do that again by ordering from local businesses and calling for curbside service. The Scottsville Pharmacy remains open, fulfilling a couple prescriptions at a time. But if you don't feel well, stay home and call your doctor. You can purchase fresh local food from your Scottsville Farmer's Market by placing your orders online through the vendors here. Always wash your hands. 20 seconds of soap and water can make a big difference. One, two, 20. Keeps you healthy and keeps your neighbors healthy too. This is about six feet and I'm about 10 feet from Nancy. We are, we're lucky in Scottsville to be a rural area well, it's a little bit easier for us to, to uh, distance ourselves from others as opposed to. And uh, we have to overreact because we don't know how to react. I've been under a self-quarantine for 18 days now. 
Scottsville has a number of places to enjoy during this time. You have the James River, the Levee Walk, the Van Cleef Nature Area with Scottsville Lake where you can fish, make sure to have a trout license, but also as you enjoy the outdoors, make sure to be at least six feet from another citizen. Enjoy the outdoors. The town office is closed, but you can get us by email or phone. We'll be happy to help you out as best we can and uh, enjoy social distancing outside. Remember, during this time, our seniors are also isolated. They no longer have their senior centers or their churches to go to. Please reach out if you know anyone and make sure they're safe. Hi, this is Chief Owen from the Scottsville Police Department. I want to thank you for helping us help you keep the town of Scottsville in this region healthy and safe. And that's it for this installment. As always, there are many ways for you to help. One is to go to supportseville.com and see what they need. Supportseville.com. You can also contribute to this show. If you have something you want to say, record a voice memo and email it to wordcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address if you want to contact me to set up a phone interview. We're all in this together, and this is all going to keep changing. We're three weeks in now, and we have to stay at home. I'm Sean Tubbs. Thanks for listening.